What's up, everybody? Before we dive into today's episode, I have a quick thing I want to share with you. I think I mentioned it later in this episode, but I have started working with the Keto Road True Nutrition Coaching as a one-on-one holistic ketogenic nutrition coach. I can work with you to help put together your macros, how you should be eating, work with you on mindset, action planning. The program includes coaching calls, daily check-ins, and exclusive access. So if this is something you're interested in, go check it out at theketoroad.com. And now, on to the show. Hey there, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Fat Guy Forum. This is your host, Gourmet, and I am glad to have you here with us. Evening, night, noon, whatever time you're listening to this episode, I'm just glad you're out there listening to yet another amazing story that the podcast is going to bring to you. And with us tonight, we have Jordan Hurd, who, when you get into hearing Jordan's story, you're going to know that he has definitely earned a spot on this show. But we'll, we'll kick off the traditional way and ask him, Jordan, tell us what qualifies you to be on the Fat Guy Forum. Well, I, uh, I let my life get to the point where I was 660 pounds and barely, uh, barely living. It was it was not not a good way to get through to get through life. And Jordan, what tell us what brought you to six hundred and sixty pounds? Like, did your weight issue start early in life, or was it something that developed later on? Like, how how did you end up there? Uh, you know, I was started out a fat little kid and just kept on kept on cruising. I would uh, tell myself through you know junior high high school years, I always played football and wrestled and did all that great stuff. And thought every year I'm gonna I'm gonna lose some weight this year and come back next season stronger. And then it's like, yeah, that ain't happening. Exercise is hard. Bacon cheeseburgers are good. Let's uh let's not get crazy. So it just kind of added up over the years, and I let it get to the point where every day, every minute of every day, hurt. And then I would go out and do something on a Saturday, like I I help with a concealed weapons class here in Idaho. I love to teach people. And a Saturday on the range, it would be three or four days before I was back to my normal pain level. And I just decided that's got to stop. It's no way to get through things. And here we are. <laughs> so when do, you, when do you think that your weight actually, you know, went from just you need to lose a little bit of weight to you know, it kind of becomes that dominant force in your life. Like, I think for a lot of people, that's kind of crossing that, you know, 400, 500 pound barrier. Like, when when did that happen for you? I didn't step on the scale from the time I left high school in 1992 until maybe once in my 20s. I got injured at work one time. I had a drill bit sticking through my hand. Went down to the uh, urgent care people. And the doctor's first response there was, you know, you're fat. And I'm like, bro, you see this piece of steel? Let's deal with that. And then I never went back to the doctor for like 25 or 30 years. It, it was a long time. I, don't, I mean, the mat mass a little off, but it was a long ass time. It was a lifetime. And like I said, I let things go until it hurt too bad to do anything. And when I finally did weigh, I drove to a frickin' truck scale of all things and uh, weighed on that. It was, a, it was a hell of a day. 
that was was that February of 2019? Yeah, the first weekend of February of 2019. Jordan, I just I because I wanna I wanna take people inside a little bit for them to understand because I think for a lot of people they hear 660 pounds and they immediately go to thinking you know about television shows and things along those lines now that you know have 600 pounds in the title and like for you what do you think because like you said you let you like your words were you let yourself go like what do you think it was that brought you to that size though do you think it was you know a combination of eating habits and and other things happening in your life or what what do you think you know was it a relationship with food like why do you think because i i think you know when when most people think of letting themselves go they think about gaining 20 to 30 pounds not not gaining a hundred pounds like so what is what is letting letting yourself go mean for you i just ate whatever i wanted whenever i wanted and i was lazy on top of that so i'd, I'd get off work hit fast food come home park it in front of the tv get up and eat dinner park it in front of the tv and go to bed i all I did was eat and be lazy. It was, uh, it was horrible, but it was my normal. It was, it was what I considered comfortable at the time and being comfortable and lazy is a deadly, deadly combination for me. And, and where do you think that combination of habits came from? Like, did you, were you the biggest person in your family? Did other people in your family struggle with weight issues? Um, everybody in my family was pretty good sized. I'd say the shortest of my uncles was probably six, three and they were all, you know, between three and 400 pounds. They were all big dudes. Um, nobody is as big as me. I'm just shy of six, two. And I I was short for the family, but I was definitely the, the widest. Nobody else had the issue that I did. Uh, I just drew the uh, short straw. It looks like, but I'm fixing it. Sure. And so, Let's go to like, what was it like to see your weight on the scale and realize like, had you thought you like, did you have a number in mind before you saw the 660? Like that you thought, okay, I'll be this, uh, this must be what I weigh or I must be around this number. Like, what was that like? I did. I, as bad as my knees hurt and my back and I mean, I could barely walk down to the bathroom without wheezing. I was estimating that I was probably seven and a quarter. Um, so 660 coming up, I was like, well, shit, that's, that's not nearly as bad as I thought. It doesn't resemble good in any way, but I'm not as far gone as I thought. Still, it's, it's, uh, weighing yourself on a truck scale and seeing people drive by looking at you. It's, uh, it's not a good feeling. And you talked about the pain of living at that size. Like what was, what was an average day in your life? Like, so give kind of people a picture of what life is like when you're that big. Well, I would drag it out of bed 5.30 or 6 o'clock. So I never slept good. Go out, TV on, cup of coffee and muffin, toast, whatever I had laying around. Put that down. Take a nap. Shower. Fight through, you know, putting your shoes on at that size is a 20-minute ordeal. And by that time, you know, you're sweating, you're tired, your back hurts. And it's only seven o'clock in the morning. Everything from there out just piled on and piled on. You know, your back, knees, 
I, I'm lucky that my hips are still good. Everything else, I mean, I ate more. I ate Advil like some people eat candy. I carried a bottle, a Costco-sized bottle around with me everywhere. And uh, luckily, I didn't damage my kidneys or anything, popping all that stuff like Pez, but it, it was my uh, my existence. Bottle of, uh, like, Arizona sweet tea or a Monster Energy drink and my, my Advil everywhere I went. And what? Uh, it's brutal. Yeah. And, and so you realize, like, obviously you needed to do something. Like, what were the first steps you took to make change? I went on, uh, went on Amazon and bought a kitchen scale and started weighing things. I had, I've never throughout my whole life, I was 45 years old when I decided to do this. I had no clue what a portion of anything actually looked like. Like whatever I put in my bowl, well, that, that was a portion for, you know, years and years. I had one of those two and a half or three cups Pyrex measuring cups with a handle on the side. And I just figured anything that went in there was a portion. So that was a, a bit of a steep learning going, huh, this is what it says I'm actually supposed to have. And I imposed myself on a 1800 calorie a day diet to begin with. And I cut out uh, no more fast foods, no more sodas, no more sweet tea. That was tough. I was a huge sweet tea drinker and I cut out the uh, sweet coffees and energy drinks. And it was a, a brutal, well, let's say three weeks or a month. I was unpleasant to be around. Hanger, hanger is a real issue. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, especially to make that drastic of a change. Like, how did you mentally get yourself ready to do that? Like, how did you, how did you handle that? Well, I, I came home from the uh, shooting range one day and I just decided this is no way to live. We're doing this right now. And got rid of, you know, all the junk garbage stuff out of the house and uh, ordered my scale. It was just in the time it took me to drive home. I was like, I hurt so bad. This is total BS. It's happening. It, it's happening right now. I'm doing this. And I haven't, haven't looked back since. I, I'm lucky that I'm, when I set my mind to something, I'm pretty strong minded to, about it and tenacious toward a goal. And uh, it's working out well for me. Definitely. And, and how, how did what you were doing evolve, you know, as you get into it? Well, I, I was sticking to that 1800 calories for that three or four weeks. And I started researching uh, gastric sleeve surgery, thinking, man, if I can get myself down some, I, I, maybe I can find a doctor here locally that will uh, be able to help me deal with this and see what my insurance will do. So I started researching all that and started easing my calories down. At this point, I still hadn't seen a doctor. So I cut down after a month from 1,800 to about 1,500 calories and did that for three or four weeks and was feeling pretty good. Ordered myself some dumbbells and started trying to exercise for the first time in God knows how long, probably since high school. And, uh, you know, that was a little tough. I found bits and parts of my body that I forgot I owned and didn't realize they were there until they started hurting again. And uh, 
1500 was good dropped myself down to about 1200 and that was tough for a couple of weeks and then that got really comfortable and i i stuck there for several months and in going through all that i made an, an appointment with a chain of dock in the box places called uh primary health i don't know if they're over back on the east coast or not that's what we have out here in idaho i made an appointment and told them hey i'm 660 pounds this is what i'm looking for i i just need a checkup with a doctor to make sure i don't have any other stuff going on you know my chest doesn't hurt so i don't think i have heart issues but i haven't seen a doctor in all these years and they're like that's cool we'll make the appointment and i'd say three or four days later the business manager for this doctor's office calls me and says you just need to go check yourself into the hospital there is no way anybody that large isn't dying. I'm like, well, yeah, I got some pain, I'm telling this lady, but I really just need to see the doctor. Nope, you're too big to be on our equipment. We can't handle you. You'll destroy our table. Go to the hospital. You're dying. Oh, okay. Um, so you're the business manager? Um, can I talk to the doctor? No, go to the hospital. And she hung up on me. And that... That almost cost me an iPhone. It was in it was in serious jeopardy being flung across the building. And I spent the next three or four days not knowing what to do. Luckily, I stuck with my eating plan at the time and didn't let it spin my mind out of control. Found another doctor here locally who'd actually been a bariatric patient, and she's freaking awesome. Um, Actually, pretty glad that the uh, doc in the box place dumped me or I wouldn't have found my current doctor. She's an, an amazing person and it's helping me change my life. And uh, she got me approved with the uh, VSG people and we went that route. And let's, for, I want to, I want to talk about the surgery and kind of, because your, your, your route with that was unique as well. But first, like, cause I, one of the things that really resonates for me with your story is like, I was all, I also, you know. I avoided doctors for decades myself, and I know what it was like. You know, my first time seeing a doctor was in an emergency room because I was going to die. Like, so I really didn't have a choice, but you made the choice to see a doctor. What was it like to step back into a doctor's office after all those years and kind of face that music? It was terrifying. Uh, my heart was racing. I, I thought I might have a heart attack in their waiting room. I could feel my heart beating in my chest. I'm sweating bullets. I'm sure I was kind of a funny color because the, the front desk lady was looking at me like, holy shit, this guy's going to die right here. And uh, luckily they got me all calmed down and uh, it went well. Turns out for being uh, 660 pounds, I was in amazingly good health. No blood sugar problems, no cholesterol problems. Everything checked out awesome. I had a thyroid issue and one liver enzyme. So I take a baby aspirin and a thyroid pill. Mm. I'm the damn healthiest fat man out there, it sounds like. Right. Well, I mean, that, that's awesome news. Like, you were able to kind of have that, get those answers. Like, just, you know, actually know. Yeah. I mean, I expected her to come back with, all right, here's pills for diabetes. Here's a handful of high blood pressure meds and here's all this lucked out and came out with nothing it was a 
it was a, a stressful, stressful day, <laughs> but I'm glad I did it. I bet it was, man. I bet it was. And so now take us into you, what led up to you getting the, the surgery? Like, cause I, I know you're, you're the, the path you took is a little unique. Yeah. So I started researching it here in Idaho and my insurance company told me there's not a chance. And I, I asked our representative, so what if I get a doctor to write me some sort of a, a letter to you guys that says this is needed to save my life? And Blue Cross basically told me, no, nope, that's too bad. You're on your own for this one. So I started uh, just typed into Google, gastric, uh, what do they call that? Vertical sleeve gastrectomy. And found the whole medical tourism thing in Mexico. And for the first few days, that freaked me out. I'm like, eh, I don't know any good stories coming out of Mexico right now. I don't want to end up on a dirty pool table in the back of some Mexican whorehouse and lose my stomach and a, and a kidney. <laughs> oh, man. It sounds horrible, but those were the dreams right, I was having. Right, right. Oh, wow. <laughs> and it, it turned out that my primary care doctor had a existing relationship with a clinic in Tijuana that's called uh, the Obesity Goodbye Center. And when I, I told her that's what I was interested in, that I'd been researching these other places, she's like, that's perfect. Let's just get them on the phone right now. And at the time we were making these calls, I was still uh, 560-ish. And they have a, uh, a BMI cap. I don't remember exactly what that number was, but I'm, I was 12 or 15 points over it still. When I started this whole thing, I had a BMI in the mid eighties and I, and I, I want to say that their number was like 60 and I was nowhere near to hitting a 60 at that time. So she sent all my stuff down to them. I spoke with their patient coordinator. Um, his name is Ricardo. I speak to him probably every 10 days still. He's one of the most awesome people I've ever met in my life. Um, I had this procedure done almost a year ago. It was the end of June 2019. And we still speak, like I said, every 10 days or so. I've never had such good care from anybody. He, he looked over all of my information, spoke with the surgeon down there, and they went ahead and took me, even though I was over their BMI number. They looked at the work I'd been doing, how committed I was to everything, and said, hey, let's do this. And we did this. <laughs> well, that's amazing, man. And, and it's, you know, it is a, a fast, relatively fast journey, like, in terms of getting to that point. Like you said, it was June of 2019 that you, you had the surgery. Like, you started this, you know, in February. So, you know, in, in terms of your weight loss. So, in a matter of months, you, you found yourself self able to do that, you know, so it, it shows, you know, that persistent dedication that you had, obviously. And so then you went to have the surgery in June. How did that go? Well, I am terrified of heights. So the flight down there, I'm pretty sure I left finger grooves in the armrests of the plane. I told my doctor I didn't like heights. She hooked me up with some Xanax. I had purchased, uh, they want you to take somebody down there with you in case you have some sort of emergency. They've got somebody there to make decisions for you. So I, one of my awesome friends said that she would go with me. We booked first class plane tickets 
And as soon as we sat down, I'm on a clear liquid diet at this point, by the way. The uh, flight attendant says, can I get you anything to drink? And I've got my bottle of Xanax in my hand and I'm like, Patron, brother, let's do this. <laughs> so that made the flight down bearable. I've, I don't do well. I, looking out the window freaked me out. But we, we got to, to San Diego. The uh, clinic across the border picks you up from there, takes you to a hotel there in Tijuana, which was the nicest hotel I've ever been at. I, I didn't travel a lot when I was super big, so I don't have a lot of experience. But the janitors in this place were wearing suits and ties. And I rolled in in a pair of Nike flip-flops, sweatpants, and a t-shirt, and I white-trashed the hell out of this joint. They were all looking at me like, who is this gringo? Uh, stayed there and rested for the night. Driver comes back, picks us up, takes us to the uh, surgical center, and it's a 100% a secure building. If you don't have the gate code and the, the uh, video monitor security guy doesn't recognize you, don't even get in the place, which helped put me a little more ease because I was still pretty nervous at this point. Um, you know, just type Tijuana into Google and you don't get a lot of good news. We went in, talked to everybody. I'd say that was 9 or 10 in the morning. And by, by 1 o'clock, I'm on the table and we're doing this thing. It, it was a, a quick procedure. That, you know, I got there and my doctor here had already done EKGs and blood tests and all this and sent down to him. They run another EKG, make sure everything is still good. They send in their cardiologist to speak to you. Unfortunately for me, their cardiologist didn't speak a word of English. He's rattling on to me for 10 or 15 minutes. And finally, he gives me the thumbs up and says, good, good. I'm like, all right, I think we're good. Let's do it. <laughs> At least that's universal but, language you know, the, right there. There's, yeah. the, you know, the thumbs up. Yeah, it made me, made me feel all right. It's like, all right, we're moving forward. You know, the, uh, the clinic down there, Everything was spotless and clean, and it smelled like a hospital. It wasn't at all what I was having nightmares about. The people were amazing. Uh, the, between the patient coordinators and the surgeon and his whole team and the nurses, anytime I even made a noise, somebody was right there. Are you okay? What can we do for you? Let's get up and walk and get some of this gas back out of you. It was an amazing amazing ordeal i they're they're awesome awesome people i recommend them highly and now were you did you have to did you stay overnight did you go back to the hotel like how did that all work i stayed my first night in the hotel to kind of calm down and get my ducks back in a row and then i spent three nights in their hospital because my bmi was still so high they wanted to keep an eye on me um the the last day after surgery, you're just ice chips, no water, no nothing. The last day I'm there, they check you for uh, for leakage, stand in some, I don't remember what the machine is called. You drink some liquid metal looking stuff that tastes horrible. And as long as they don't see any leaks, they take out your drain tube. And then they handed me a lime green popsicle, which was the most amazing tasting thing I've ever had in my life at this point. <laughs> And uh, they drove us back across the border. 
I, and dropped us off the uh, San Diego airport and flew home. I left here on a on a Monday morning and I was in my bed Thursday night. It was quick and to the point. And that's wild, man. And and so what were the immediate changes that, that you know, like in terms, because there's probably a lot of people listening, obviously, who haven't had the surgery or don't even know what it's like. Like, what what was life like as soon as you were back home? I I lucked out and had zero pain. I took, they gave me, I think, three weeks worth of pain meds. And I took one to help with the flight home because I was nervous about the Xanax of my new stomach. So I just popped one of their pain pills, and that's the only one I took. I had already scheduled a week off from work when I got home, and I could have gone to work. See, I got home Thursday night. I could have gone to work Monday. I felt amazing. The, the little surgical scars were probably a half an inch long, and they were a little tight and itched. Zero pain. Um, zero hunger. I had to force myself to, to be drinking fluids. I just didn't want anything, but I felt awesome. It was it was the weirdest thing. I, I've talked to several people who've had the, the same procedure done, and none of them felt good. Really? Well, I, I don't know what your guys did, but I don't know what my guy did. I feel awesome. Uh, sorry that you don't. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. Everything just went perfect, I guess. And so what is, what is eating like right after, cause I'm, I'm assuming like, obviously right after the surgery you're eating is, is probably very different. Yeah. So I did clear liquids for, I think two weeks. I bought a bunch of the little, uh, condiment cups, like one ounce, like ketchup containers on Amazon. And I was doing bone broth and stuff like that. Just liquids for, uh, a week, two weeks, I don't remember now. And then you move into the baby food stage. And let me tell you, that is some nasty, nasty stuff. I'm not a fan. I, I mean, I even tried buying chunky soup that I knew tasted good and bought a uh, ninja blender to turn it into mush. And it's still not good. And that was actually the, the first blender I ever owned that it had food in it. Every other one I ever owned might as well just said margarita machine on it. <laughs> so baby food for way, way too long. It was horrible. It was horrible to the point where I'm, I'm rethinking life choices. Should I have done this? What would a cheeseburger do to me? But then I reminded myself how much being 660 sucked and pushed, pushed through it. And after that, you know, eggs and tuna fish, which I thought was weird because it always seemed to me like that would be kind of hard to digest, went phenomenal. And I just kind of gradually moved back into regular food. Now I can pretty much eat anything that's on my diet plan. Any Nothing makes me sick or causes me pain anymore, which is pretty cool. I just only do two and a half to about four ounces, depending on what, what I'm having at a time and, and everything is all good. I still still weigh everything on my kitchen scale so I know how much I'm getting and I track all the macros and calories and all that. I Everything seems to be awesome. And so we're coming up, what has it been, about 10 months since you had the surgery? Somewhere around there now, 11 months? Yeah. 10 or, 10 or 11, you're getting close? 
Uh, yeah, about ten months. Yeah. And so, how much how much weight have you lost? Like you were like, obviously we know the from six sixty. But do you remember, what what did you weigh when you went for the surgery, and and what do you weigh now? The day of my surgery, they weighed me in at five oh three, and this morning I was three twenty eight. So that's, I mean, well, I, that's, a, I, that's not a bad change. So you're, so I mean, that's not only great, obviously that's like from the surgery, pounds. right? Like 170 pounds from the surgery date, but you're more than half. You're more than half, less than half of of the person you used to be. Absolutely, I've just just recently passed over that mark where I lost more than I weigh, which was a huge milestone. I felt amazing when I saw that number come up on the scale. And and what is what is your head like now when it comes to like your relationship with food? Like how has that evolved? I'm I'm pretty comfortable with my food relationship now. Um when I went back to work, everybody at my office was really amazing about it. They would they all still eat fast food and crap on a daily basis. But when I came back, they would like go in the conference room and not be where I could see it or smell it trying to help me out. And I, I sat them all down one day and go, look, guys, I really appreciate this, but you don't have to do it. Live your life, eat what you need to eat, and I'll take care of me. You guys don't need to make a change. I'm the one that needed to make this change. And so everybody around me still just does their regular thing. I've got zero desire for fast food or fried garbage or sodas or any of that. I do still occasionally have cravings for carbs, um, breads and rice and noodles and that kind of stuff. There's some days where I would I would shank a dude for a plate of spaghetti. But I just remind myself, hey, that's going to get you back to a bad place. Let me get my protein shake and I'll just be fine. They're, the cravings are still there occasionally, but they're they're easy to put down these days. The desire to change, in, in in my mind anyway, is overpowering all of those cravings. Well, that's powerful to hear, man. And just to, to give people a kind of a snapshot of it, like what what does your eating look like now? I stick mostly to chicken and tuna fish. I use uh, whey isolate protein powders. I allow myself about... Uh, I think my macros right now are about 70 grams of carbs a day and about 40 grams of fat. So it's it's not a lot. I can have like a half a piece of bread and maybe a few crackers with my tuna fish. But I'm very careful about what goes in. Uh, everything I'm putting in now is, is more like fuel to help build muscle and, and make myself better. On top of that, I, I still drink a shitload of coffee. I I have not been able to kick that, but it's sugar-free creamer now instead of the garbage from Starbucks. There's still a lot of it. Oh, there you go, man. And I've, I'm pretty comfortable with things now. That's good, man. That's good. And and what? How has your physical activity changed? I work out six days a week now, and before I started all this, I man, I didn't even want to see exercise on the TV. When I I would come home and fire up either a DVD or turn the stupid PlayStation on, now I'm 
I'm in my gym at like 3.30, six days a week, uh, walking after work, out on the range teaching and doing classes. I'm on the go pretty much every day. I tend to rest on Sundays and do chores around the house, meal prep, and I'm still a big fan of the Sunday afternoon nap. It's just hard to beat that. But other, other than that, I'm, I go every day and make sure I get you know, a half hour, 45 minutes at least of some sort of physical activity in. I, if I miss it one day due to being sick or work schedule or something, I don't feel as good physically or mentally those days. The, the physical activity and the, the hard work from the gym just makes me feel better. I think, that, I think that's something that a lot of people find when they really get into that rhythm well. And what do you think it was that, you know, allowed you to, to get to that place with physical activity? Because I think that's a question that people often have is like how you get started and, and like how that develops for you. Like, what do you think the key was for you to be able to really kind of enjoy that process in that time? Well, before I, before I had the surgery done, I knew I needed to do something and I bought the small dumbbells off of Amazon and, and was trying to, trying to teach myself to use them. And as that got easier, it started to click in my head and this is kind of fun. I kind of enjoy this. And just kept building on it from there and building on it from there. And after I had the uh, the surgery done, as soon as the doctor gave me clearance to uh, to go join a gym, I went down to the one closest to my house and said, hey, let's do this. And walking into the gym for the first time was a whole nother terrifying ordeal. You know, I expect this place to be completely full of mirrors, which it is, and I've avoided mirrors my whole life. And I expect it to be completely full of fit people that are going to have this crappy, judgmental look on their face. So I'm a little stressed out and on edge before I even go in. And then I meet these amazing, great people that want to help. Well, maybe this isn't so bad. And I started going and I started out at three days a week thinking, I don't want to do too much to hurt myself. And I still am a little uncomfortable with all the fitness people and just worked my way up to where I'm there six days a week. And if somebody's got a shitty judgmental look, well, I mean, that's, I'm sorry, their life sucks, but I'm here to do my thing. And I love it. There you go, man. And that love, like, so we're recording this during kind of the tail end of the, of the, the COVID-19 quarantine time. Like how has that impacted your, your ability? Like, I, I don't know what kind of gym you're going to, like, I'm assuming they, they closed during this time. Like, so what has happened like for you? Uh, my gym closed April 21st. And on the 1st of May, the town next over from mine, the mayor of that town said, you know what? This is, this is BS. People are going broke. I'm letting businesses open back up. So from April 21st to May 1st, I was attempting to do at-home workouts, which sucked for me. Um, doing bodyweight exercises when you're still around the, you know, the 350-ish mark, it's not easy. Working out at home, there's way too many distractions. I, they just didn't go well for me. So as soon as the mayor of Nampa gave the go ahead. I was driving 
20 minutes over there at three o'clock every morning doing my thing and coming back to Caldwell where I live and getting ready to, for work and moving on with things. Um, as soon as I went back in there, I immediately felt like a huge ball of stress lifted off of me physically and mentally. You know, just that first 45 minutes back in there. And then I just kept going for them for two weeks. And then this last Saturday, the gym in the town where I live opened back up. So we're still having to do the whole social distancing thing. They've got every other piece of equipment taped off so you're not within six feet of each other. But they're open and I'm there doing my thing. And it's so good to be back in there and not take that extra 20-minute drive every morning. That's awesome. And, and so that clearly wasn't that huge of a disruption for you, which is really that is really kind of fantastic um, to hear. If it would have been a couple of more weeks, it might have gone south. I, the, the, mental, the, the mental side of things was really, really dragging on me. I was having, you know, bad thoughts about all this weight coming back on and all of my progress getting side uh, derailed. It, it was horrible. I, like I say, when I got back in there the first time, it was a huge, huge ton of stress that came off. So happy that they're open. Oh, yeah. Uh, as someone who has been out of the gym now for, you know, at least two months because of all this, you know, I can definitely relate to that, man. Uh, so what, what I'm curious about, you know, Jordan, looking at the big picture of your life, you know, looking at what life was like at 660 pounds and life today. What do you think are, are the major challenges, not challenges, the major, there goes my ability to use words again. Uh, what, what are the, what are the, <laughs> I, have that same problem. I know it, it's, it's fantastic. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's when I do these late night recordings, man. Uh, this is late night for me. Um, what do you think are the major changes that have happened in your life that you've noticed, you know, obviously, you know, cutting your weight in half? being able to sit in a chair someplace and not having to stop and look at it and think about it for a few minutes first, like, is that chair going to explode when I sit in it or am I going to be good to go? I used to carry a uh, folding camp chair in the back of my pickup that I bought from like DXL mm -hmm. or Destination XL, whatever the heck they're called. That was a thousand pound capacity camp chair oh yeah the thing weighs like 50 pounds and it's a pain in the ass to haul around i had one of those and i took it everywhere I, I took it everywhere oh yeah and just being able to go into some place and sit down and not have to worry about is this gonna is this gonna blow up am i gonna be on my ass in front of all these people that's a pretty cool change buying clothes at the store is a pretty cool change for years everything i bought came from those shysters at king size direct i hate those people with a passion and just being able to walk in and say hey oh look there's jeans in my size on the shelf that aren't 80 dollars a pair are going to fall apart the first time you wear them that's pretty cool um riding in a regular size car of all things you know like a, just a regular sedan i never fit in that probably 30 30 years I only fit in a full-size pickup or in the back seat of a minivan where I could go through the big side door, you know? Just everyday things that most people take for granted are, are huge, and it's, it's awesome to be able to do that now. Uh, other than that, I, you know, just everyday life, putting on 
putting on my shoes without breaking in sweat or throwing my back out is kind of awesome too. Everyday life just in general, I guess, is just amazing now. That's awesome. And it's good to hear, you know, the challenge, the, the changes that you've been able to make. Like what I'm curious about, like, so thinking about, you know, all these these changes you've sustained and, and brought into place, and this has all been happening for you, you know, in less than a year, like, what do you think, what is the force that carries you forward to keep the success going? Um, Just the quality of my life now. I don't want to be back to that point where everything hurts. And I don't, you know, when I was that big, I didn't want to be around people. I had a small group of friends that I would hang out with. I, even my close friends, I wouldn't eat in front of them. I wouldn't go places. If they wanted to go, you know, to a movie or something, it's like, no, nah, I'm, I'm not doing that. So just now, quality of life or, or even being able to say I have a life and I go out and do things is a pretty powerful uh, driving force to keep me going. I don't want to end up back where I was and I'm not going to let myself do that. That's fantastic, man. I think that sounds really great. Like, so Jordan, you, you've taken us through a lot of your journey tonight. Like, are there, is there anything that you wanted to the audience to hear about that you haven't had a chance to talk about yet? Um, not really. I think we're covering things pretty well. I'm, I'm still a little nervous about talking about myself. I do better with answering questions. I feel like, <laughs> sorry. No, it's okay. I, I would say like the, before we move into like the final questions, like the one kind of overarching question I think I would ask is like, Thinking about that other person that's out there listening, you know, that's in the place that you were in at, you know, at 660 pounds, like living that life of pain and, you know, movement hurts and, and getting around hurts and all of those things are just challenges. Like, what is your advice to that person? Don't be afraid to reach out and help. Um, when I started all of this, I didn't, I didn't know, like, I hadn't found your podcast yet or Poro or any of those guys. I didn't know anybody else out there was dealing with this. I'd never saw anybody in this area of Idaho that I live in that was as large as me. And I, I just felt like, well, this is me. I'm the only one dealing with this right now. And I, I didn't have anybody to reach out and say, hey, I, I need help. What do I do? And anybody who's in that boat right now, man, there's, there, there are people out there that will help you. I mean, it doesn't matter if I don't know you or not. Reach out. I'll talk to you. I want to be there to help the next guy, the guy that I used to be. Um, it's a scary, stressful thing to do by yourself. So just reach out if you're that guy. That that leads into my next question. Well, if if people do want to reach out and talk to you, Jordan, like what is the best best way for them to contact you? Where can they find you? Uh, my Instagram is at Jordan Hurd, I believe. Uh, I've actually looked at it for a while. <laughs> no, I think that's it. I post a lot of stuff. I don't actually look at the address. <laughs> and then I have uh, two Facebook pages. One is just called Jordan's Weight Loss Adventures. And I just keep all that as motivational stuff, my weight loss progress, workouts, and all that kind of thing. And then my other, uh, my personal page is just Jordan Hurd on Facebook. And it's full of just messed up memes and i've got the most twisted sense of stuff that most people look at you and go man what's wrong with you i find hilarious <laughs> so yeah any of those ways it's good you're giving people that warning then man you're giving them a little bit of you're giving them a little bit of warning i like it i like it 
So, Jordan, I end every episode with five questions I call the Fat Guy Five. Are you ready for your run through those questions? Let's have it. Okay, here we go, man. So, question number one, living or dead, Jordan, tell us who is your favorite fat guy? I got to go with uh, William Perry, the refrigerator. I loved that guy when I was growing up. And being a guy that wanted to be a, you know, a football star, uh, he, he was like, man, fat guys can do this too. That's, uh, you know, I, I love that guy. He's just ama an amazing person. There you go, man. I like it. Question number two, Jordan. What is one lesson that being a fat guy has taught you? Oh, that's a tough question. Hmm. I, I'm not sure one lesson being a fat guy has taught me. Come out of your shell, I guess, a little bit. When I was that big, I sheltered in place and, uh, to use a word we're using these days, uh, I was I was pretty cut off from people. Like I was saying earlier, I, I didn't I didn't socialize. Um, you know, that's not a way to live your life. Just come out, see people, do things. Don't don't become a shut in. There you go, man. Question number three: What is one piece of advice you would give your past self? Uh, step away from the Chinese food. <laughs> Man, I used to pick up probably enough to feed a family of four and a giant sweet tea, and that would be dinner like twice a week. So, yeah, walk walk away from the uh, walk away from the Chinese food. There you go, man. I like it. Question number four, Jordan. Tell us one thing about yourself that you love. One thing about myself that I love. Um, probably my my drive and determination. When I decide to do something, I make it happen. I've always kind of been that way when I would actually set my mind to something. I could I could generally get there. My biggest problem was always getting myself to decide to do it. If that makes sense. That definitely does, man. That sounds great. Question number five. Last question for you tonight, Jordan. Tell us what is one goal you have for the next year that is not health, fitness, or weight loss related? I want to do some traveling. I live in Idaho. I've never been east of Denver, and I've never been to the ocean. I really want to go check out a beach. There you go, man. I, that 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 would be a kind of a cool thing. Yeah, that sounds like a great goal. And you know, hopefully, you know, any of the restrictions that would would keep us from doing those kind of things will be will be out of the way soon. I hope so. I, I definitely look forward to seeing that happen. Oh, for I you. hope so. <laughs> definitely, man. Definitely. I hope so. Well, Jordan, I want to thank you for taking the time to talk to us this week. I, I really appreciate your your willingness to share your story with the audience. So just a big a big thanks, man. Well, it's it's no problem. I appreciate you uh, having me on and and all the information you put out there. There's a lot of us really look up to what you're doing out there, and, and thank you. Well, thanks, man. I truly appreciate that. And if anyone out there listening wants to connect with me, you can find me on Instagram at gourmet underscore goes underscore keto on Twitter at Gourmet Goes Keto, or you can also email the show at the Fat Guy Forum at gmail.com. And hey, my friends, don't forget, you are amazing people. So go out there and do something today to amaze yourself and then come on back and catch us again on the Fat Guy Forum. 